chapter. So let's start at verse 1. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come! I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come! Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. When the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come! I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, A kilogram of wheat for for a day's wages, and three kilograms of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come! I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a quarter of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to earth as figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? This is the word of the Lord. Do keep your Bibles open, please, at that very important passage. Can we pray that what we're going to look at is God's truth? Lord, please help me to explain this difficult passage in a way that's relevant to us and reveals your mind and please help us to go out and to encourage other Christians to understand your ways. Amen. Amen. When we travelled around uh, America and Africa, one of the blights of a lot of churches is what's called triumphalism. Pay, Pay your dues to the church Get involved and God will bless you. He'll give you health. He'll give you wealth. You'll be blessed. 
This passage has a lot to say about that. Let's just recap briefly. Um, chapter 4, we've been given an image of heaven. Glorious. There's God in his majestic glory. We, we heard, verse 11, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive honor and uh, glory and honor and power, for you created all things. That's, that's our God. Then chapter 5, we're introduced to this scroll written on both sides. This is the same scroll that Ezekiel had. Do you remember at the beginning of Ezekiel 2.9? I saw a hand stretched out to me. In it was a scroll which he unrolled before me. On both sides of it were written words of lament and mourning and woe. Take note of that. What God has in store for society is not triumphalism. But do you remember when Ezekiel ate the scroll? It tasted as sweet as honey. That's what it's going to be for God's people. In the midst of all this turmoil, it's going to be sweet for God's people. Uh, in Revelation 5, we, we know that there's no one else who could undo this scroll until uh, the Lamb of God uh, came in. You know, do not weep. See the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Sorry, change picture. The root of David has triumphed. He is the triumph. He's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, because you were slain, and by your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe. So, every creature in heaven and on earth is then going to sing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. Uh, then Jesus and his Father are worshipped. Jehovah's Witnesses have a problem with that. So this scroll, as we heard, it's the, it says everything that's going to happen. All of history is there under God's control, but it includes the names of those who are written in the book of life, the scroll of life. And now we come to chapter 6. Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Lamb who became the, the final sacrifice for our sin, who died to, for us, and it's Jesus who opens the first seal. Can you see it there? As he does say, one of the four living creatures well uh, all covered with eyes why covered with eyes because God's all seeing uh, he knows everything that's going on and one of these creatures says come it's a great evangelistic appeal but this one is come to the horrors of life then we read of these four horsemen. Uh, people don't understand the four horsemen. They just think of uh, the, the various films that are on television at the moment. But it's basically saying the world's going to suffer 
And we Christians are going to be in this suffering world. Look at uh, verse 2. The white horse holds a bow, given a crown. So it's got power and authority. And he rode out as a conqueror, bent on conquest. First one. Second one, on a fiery red horse. Verse 4. Takes people from the world. He's got a large sword. Bloodshed. Black horse. Verse 5. He's got scales in his hand. Why? To, to weigh the food. Famine and poverty are, are rife. And then the fourth one is the pale horse. His rider was named Death. And the fourth of the earth will die by the sword, famine and plague. That's verse 8. So what's God saying? He's going to say that oppression, war, famine, disease and death will be the lot of all people living on earth, including Christians. And what is important to see is that God is in control of all that's going on. Now, this, this teaching's nothing new. Do you remember who described these things very clearly? Matthew 24? Look, keep a portion of your anatomy in uh, Revelation 6 and turn over to uh, Matthew 24. Because Jesus talked about exactly the same four. You look at verse 5. Jesus starts off by saying, you all there? Matthew 24 verse 5. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. You see, that's the, the first horse, the white horse, deception. Religious deception has been rife since Jesus' departure from earth. All these religious leaders, people with such charisma, such power, such a following, will draw in many people. But essentially they're in it for themselves, for control. And such people draw others away from the true gospel. History is rife with this. Uh, think of now the uh, Islam, the Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, the prosperity, triumphalist gospel. Next horse, the red horse. Now, Jesus, if you're in Matthew still, look at verse 6. And you'll hear of wars and rumours of wars. But the end is not yet. See, this is bloodshed. It's the same as the red horse. The rider has a sword. He takes peace from the earth. Then he causes people to kill one another. God's people will be caught up in this. But still, God is in control. Can you see the message that John's repeating from Jesus? What about the black horse? Well, look at verse 
7b in Matthew 24. And there will be famine. See, in Revelation, if you've still got your finger there, the black horse's rider has scales to weigh the scarce food and supplies. It's the same. So famines are going to increase around the world, according to Jesus. And we all know famines are caused by what, natural disasters and drought, but also by wars. God's people are going to be involved in these horrors. And yet the Lord remains in control. What about the pale horse? Well, Jesus, back in Matthew 24, says that you're going to have pestilences, black death, Asian flu, covid it's very interesting, the story of the plagues in the early years of the Christian era. People admired the Christians because they weren't afraid of death. The only people who would care for and look after people who got these plagues. But look at Revelation 7 and 8, chapter, uh, 6, verses 7 and 8, talks about this pale green horse literally chloros chlorophyll that sort of it's a picture of death yeah we are going to face death families and friends of our own are going to die but the Lord is in control this is John's message it's so important for us to realize that once each seal is opened it remains opened. These things are going to continue. In other words, each seal is added to the seal that's been opened previously. And that's the lot of our world. And we can all see it going on now, can't we? But I don't know if you've had religious visitors coming to your door uh, who su suggest the, the end of the world is, is nigh, often using authorised or uh, New World uh, versions, because these natural tragedies of wars and things happening. Have you had, most of us have had these people come to our door. Just, just smile at them when they come and say, do, do you know um, Matthew 24, verse 6? If you've still got your finger there, you'll hear of uh, wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Just reassure them so that they, they don't get over the top. This is our lot in a, a world where Satan has a lot of control. And yet, in the midst of all this havoc, we have the assurance, the assurance from God that the, the Lamb has overcome and has chosen a group of men and women to be his own. Isn't that thrilling? And to have his spirit so that we can persevere through all the ups and downs of life. If you look, look back at 5 verse 10. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests, men and women, priests to serve our God. And they will reign on earth. Not now, 
It's to come in the future when Jesus returns. Do, do note these tenses. They're so important. You have made us there to be your people now. They shall reign. What a glorious future to hold on to. Yep, Matthew, 20, Matthew 19, Jesus teaches that man will reign when the Son of Man returns to rule on earth. That's Matthew 19.28. Remember the story of the sheep and the goats? Go on to, to Matthew 25. It teaches the same thing, Matthew 25.34. Unfortunately, as we've heard, some Christians don't teach this, perhaps deliberately misunderstand it. They want to reign now. That is not what the Bible teaches. Do you remember in Corinthians, the pseudo-elders in the church? 1 Corinthians 4.8, they have begun to reign. See, they had triumphalism back then. In the, the medieval world, you had some uh, popes and bishops who did try to reign by the sword. Some have tried to defend Christianity, or their version of it, with, with war. Oh dear, that's so wrong. Some evangelicals even speak of reigning with Christ now. Now you can you know, see in a way what it means in my personal life, but beware, it's going to be tough. Do you remember what Jesus told Pilate? My kingdom is not of this world. If so, my, my servants would fight. Violence cuts off the ears of people so that they won't hear what we have to say. Do you remember Peter chopping off the ear of uh, Malchus in the Garden of Gethsemane? It's a picture. If we get aggressive, people won't listen to the gospel. Our weapon, as it always has been, is the message of God, the word of God. That's the sword of the spirit. We convince people by discussion, by stimulating things. Very encouraging. Just hearing George, I, I met a friend of his uh, walking on the Greenway, and this week and I gave him one of these articles and uh, he works with George and he goes up to George and says oh you know, he's got this and so things start happening it's by discussion you know Terry you know, talking to people in the in the sauna it's wonderful that's our weapon so just like these four horsemen Men throughout history have ridden to war with grandiose schemes of victory. They want to conquer the world, to produce a utopia, whether it's Putin or someone else. It's happened all over the time. Alexander the Great, Hitler, Pol Pot, Mao Zedong. Many people have tried it. But the end is not good. You know how the end of Revelation comes? There's another white horse that comes riding out 
riding out in triumph. But it's a very different one. This white horse comes out to take control in perfect humanity. So until then, we've got to face all these disasters. We've been warned about this back in the book of Moses. Now the reason that God's uh, people are warned is to reassure us. When these things happen to us, it's not because we're failures. It's not because God's left us. No, God's allowed these things to be our lot so that we can be proved faithful. Do you remember what Jesus said to his disciples? Luke 21.8. Uh, before all this, that's before Jesus returns, watch out that you are not deceived. First white horse. But they will seize you and persecute you. But make up your mind not to worry. Isn't that wonderful? This is what Christ wants for us, his people. Keep going, he says. Only the end of the return of Jesus is going to put an end to this evil that's going on in the world. What happened to Peter? He was crucified. What happened to Paul? He had his head chopped off. What happened to Cranmer, to Latimer, to Ridley? Yet Jesus said, not a hair of your head will perish. So what's he saying? Is he saying we're going to have a triumphal life now? No. He's saying in eternity we're as safe as houses. Everything about us is under God's control. We are going to face suffering. We are going to die. But keep going. Trust Christ. Serve him. Live for him. You see, Jesus is talking about the resurrection life. We live by faith. It's important to stress this because the, the fifth seal's about to be opened. Back in Revelation, Revelation 6. I saw under the altar the souls of those who'd been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. Note that. Every Christian is meant to be talking about Jesus. Just in little ways, getting people thinking. We must testify. And these people who've been slain, they crowd out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of earth and avenge our blood? God's in control. They'd maintain their witness to Christ and see what awaits them. Glory. You'll see that when God's awful judgment comes on those who refuse to serve him. Then each of them was given a white robe. Isn't that lovely? They're clad in God's righteousness. They can be admitted to the marriage feast of the Lamb. The gift of God given to them by the grace of God. And it's shown that the Spirit of God was in them because they continued to witness to Christ. 
If you wonder, well, why hasn't Christ returned yet? Look at verse 11. To give us a bit more time. Time to save others. Yes, in a way, we do save others by telling them about the Lord Jesus and the gospel. <laughs> it's got to be the work of God to save them permanently. But you, you look at 1 Corinthians 9, it talks about that I might save some. Now the sixth seal, verse 12, describes an awful picture. It's given in cosmic terms of God's judgment. The powerful and rich who've rejected God, who've rejected the gospel of God's Son, are now in dire trouble. They're trying to hide from God. They're becoming now, too late, aware that there's another reality. There is another world. <laughs> and look, look at verse 16. These practical atheists. I met one this afternoon. <laughs> he wouldn't even accept an, uh, an article. Uh, now they know they're wrong. They pray now. You see that? But who are they praying to? To the mountains. What use is that? They now recognize there is a very powerful God. Fall on us. Hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. The Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus, is going to be angry with those who reject his rule. See, no one spoke more about the, uh, the love of God than the Lord Jesus did. He, God is willing to take all of us back to himself. He died for us, the Lamb of God. And he calls out, believe in me, follow me, belong to me. But if we reject what Jesus has done for us, we'll ultimately face the wrath of the Lamb. And so will our friends and family and those people we've not persuaded about Jesus. I don't know if you saw the recent figures from the, uh, of national statistics. You know, the median age of those who identify themselves as Christians in 2021 was 51. Ten years before that, in 2011, it was 45. Average age of people saying they're Christians has gone up by nearly 10 years over 10 years. What does that say? Faith in Jesus is getting shorter, fewer. Why aren't we persuading people? You know, the mean age of Christians in this country is higher than any mainline religious group. Well, does our society not merit God's judgment? God is, God is righteous. He'll judge those who reject him and reject what he stands for. And he'll judge us if we're not persuading people the truth. Well, in this fallen world, we've just got to keep reminding people. John 3.16. Well, God, it, 
For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, face the wrath of God, but have eternal life. You see the message here that John's trying to get across. Our age, we're forgetting God in this country. We forget God's holiness and we forget God's wrath. Now, it's a hard teaching, but the next chapters, we'll see, it reminds us that there's going to be a great multitude in heaven who will say salvation belongs to their God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then, as we see later, the seventh seal is opened at the beginning of chapter 8. And now everything will come to a climax. But those who are in Christ are absolutely secure. Uh, look at 7.16 if you're still there. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them. We'll be with our Lord. We'll be with our Saviour. And we'll be in his glorious promised land. Let me finish with a, a story I've just read. It's about a, a man called Taco. He lived in a, a mountain village in, in Mexico. Uh, it's, do you know the Prides? Some, some, some of you might know the, the Prides. They used to be missionaries in Mexico with Wycliffe Bible translators, wasn't it? Um, lovely couple. They used to come to Living Word. Uh, and she wrote this book. Well, Taco was born into a really awful family. Uh, his father was a murderer. Uh, he got drunk all the time. Uh, his father became an outlaw. His, uh, his mother died. And there he was. He was taken off as an, into an orphanage uh, a long way away. And eventually, he got a basic education. He became a plumber. But he carried on the family ways, and he carried on drinking and being violent. Uh, he used to hit his young wife. Uh, things got pretty awful. Everywhere around him was formal, empty religion that actually had very little appeal to him. You see, that's the, the white horse we've got in Revelation. Fighting was, was part of the, the life that they lived. He was frequently, Taco was, he was frequently in prison uh, for doing pretty awful things. Is it, there's the red horse. It's part of the lot. And at times, the family, because of the sort of life they lived, they were very short on everything, particularly food, uh, partly because of the alcohol and the fighting. There's the black horse. Death was all too common around them. That's the pale horse. However, then the Lord Jesus stepped into his life. His young wife had a, an uncle who was a Christian. And he stood out. He lived a godly life. And he gently introduced Taco to the church, which was a Bible teaching church. And he recognized the benefits that there was in those people who were Christians. But he was still pulled because the 
old life and the drinking just had him. But then one day after severely beating up his wife and causing a miscarriage, uh, he came to his senses and he opened his life to the Lord Jesus. He, he needed not only forgiveness, but he needed a power, the power of the Holy Spirit to live a, a new life. And he did change. What's wonderful, he, uh, he wanted to understand the new faith that he'd come to. So he, he went to night school. And then he thought, I'd love my family to hear this. So he went to a, a Bible college. And not easy for him, but he learned to teach the Bible. And then he went off on a visit out to his outlaw family in a band area. He's one of the few who get in because he was part of the family. And he told them about the Lord Jesus and about the salvation that they could clearly see had happened to Taco. So in spite of all the problems, God can use these things to win people for Christ. So we see what John's saying here. Life is tough. We Christians are in the middle of it. Use our lot for Christ. That's our hope. And with God's spirit in us, because if we're in Christ, we do have his spirit. Don't say, I don't have the gift. God has given all of us the gift of his spirit to promote, to glory in the Lord Jesus. Let's be bright witnesses for him in a, a fallen world, both by what we say and the way we live. Let's pray. Lord, thank you very much that your word is so real, that Jesus talked about these very same things that John reminds us of. Lord, please help us not to be downpressed by the problems we face, but to be triumphant, to ride above them, and to be there for the Lord Jesus, looking forward to that glory of being in heaven with you and to hear you saying to us well done good and faithful servant so be with every one of us we pray amen <laughs>